You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daddy. Time to make it hot. Welcome in. This is the Hot Take Podcast. And today we are going to talk about our top 10 running backs. Very excited today to be joined by my guest, Michael Hoff of FF Faceoff Podcast and Gridiron Experts writer. Michael, how are you today, man? Good, Steve. How's it going, man? It's going well. Yeah, I'm glad that you could join me today. Uh, you know, early in the day, uh, Josh is actually going to join us a little bit later. He's not going to be on this portion of the show. Uh, but Josh is going to get to his top 10 running backs a little bit later. And we'll also be discussing some best ball stuff. Um, Tis the season for best ball. We really got to talk about that. Uh, first, yeah, you work with Anthony Servino of FF Faceoff. Uh, Anthony's been on the show a couple times. Uh, nice. tell, me, tell me how you guys met and uh, how you guys started uh, FF Faceoff. Honestly, we were both writers for Gridiron Experts. I was there before he was. And okay. all of a sudden, um, the guy who runs Gridiron Experts, Mike Riggs, wanted to get into the podcasting thing. So he had said, you know, oh, you guys, he said to the writers, you guys kind of pair up with each other, you know, just find somebody and then make a show idea and then approach me. That turned out, I just, I don't even know what led me to Anthony, but we just started exchanging messages. I think we were already talking a little, little bit. And all of a sudden I had this idea, just almost like a debate show. Yeah. Almost. And I mean, it doesn't always turn out that way. Um, right. But I mean, it just started from that to into what we have it now. You know, we've been doing it for a couple of years now. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going well. And I mean, I, I'm kind of blessed. He does a lot of work on his end. And then I do a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that I can't do that he can and vice versa. So it's a good team. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the debate thing, because when me and Blake Sullivan created the hot take, uh, right. that was the the vision because we were yeah. like, okay, first take, first take. What's okay. Hot take. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Great. And we're like, all right, cool. It'll, and we'll just do this series where we rank players and that'll be that. Right. And we would go head to head, but then it kind of turned into, you know, we might as well do this on a weekly basis. Um, and let's get this actually going here and have a discussion, you know, make sure that our listeners are informed as opposed to just yelling at each other. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's kind of where we're at. So that's funny. Uh, it's kind of a similar lineage. Um, you guys are doing something really cool with the Mental Health Podathon. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Mental Health Podathon. I was I was looking at. Um, you notice on on Twitter a lot of people in the fantasy football industry they they deal with mental health and they voice it in their own ways on Twitter. And I've I've dealt with you know mental health and anxiety and so on and so forth. So noticing that on Twitter my own anxieties and then reading some stuff on Hayden Hurst about everything that was going on with him. Yes. I, the idea just kind of came to me one day. It's just, you know, we've got an SFB potathon, which, you know, does well. And that's all, you know, it's a great cause, you know, for fantasy cares. And I said, but no one else, you know, we talked about it all fair. Fantasy football is such a saturated market. And if there's one thing that's not oversaturated and maybe it ought to be, is charities, you know, doing things for charities. So sure. connected with Hayden's people and uh, 
I mean, it's taken off from there. And, you know, just trying to get guests now, trying to put them in the time spots. And going to be a 16-hour show on July 11th. So starting at uh, 7 a.m. So get your Red Bulls ready. And that's it. <laughs> and we're going to roll. And where can people find that? Can they find it on YouTube, Twitter, everywhere like that? Yeah, that's going to be – It's we're going to post it. It'll be run through predominantly through uh, Periscope and through YouTube. So if you guys look up FF Faceoff um, on YouTube, you can subscribe there. And also, I believe I'd, I'd had to get the link and put it on my own Twitter at the FF Realist. But uh, I believe the Periscope run, runs under Anthony. But we put it out there so it shows up on Twitter. It shows up on Facebook. We're giving you, we're giving you every option to watch us. So. Yeah, and you guys are going to want to watch this. Um, just to name a few of the guests that are going to be on the show. Matthew Barry, Michael Fabiano, uh, Darius Geis. Is he, he's going to be on there? Yeah, Darius Geis is going to come on for a little bit. Yeah. Darius Geis is coming on the show. I click on his Twitter, and for some reason, his Twitter isn't like working right now. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh-huh. Um, but the, uh, the fantasy footballers, Marcus Grant. So, I mean, huge names in the industry. And then, obviously, you know, Darius Geis, one of the – you know, fan fantasy football community's favorite players, you know, I mean, coming on the show um, and one of the best personalities, I would say, you know, in the NFL. So, and we'll, and, and we'll also get uh, Hayden himself is going to come on as well as uh, his mom's going to come on, who is the vice president of uh, the Hayden Hurst family foundation, which by the way, it's HaydenHurstFoundation.com is where you can find out more info on uh, what the cause is. Well, that's super cool, man. I mean, you know, you and uh, Scott Fish, obviously trying to promote people donating to not just, you know, the charity that you're promoting and the, the charity, you know, Fantasy Cares, which Scott Fish uh, is behind, but right. other charities, charities that yeah. you feel strongly about. Um, and I, like you said, it's a good point. It's <laughs> everyone wants to make a podcast, but nobody wants to donate to a good cause. <laughs> so well, it's yeah. like, <laughs> well, it's just, I, I, I think it's more so just the idea of doing it. Like, for example, like doing a potathon. like when me and Anthony first said, like, let's go 12 hours. We thought at first, and we were like, how are we going to get enough guests to fill 12 hours? But now we're at 16 hours and we have so many guests that we're going from, hour-long segments to half hour or maybe less and we still got more people that want to come on that's fantastic so, and it's you know for, from a production standpoint and everything else it's 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 daunting and maybe that's why <laughs> i was thinking that folks might be you know a little hesitant to do it because it is a it is a bit of an undertaking oh my god yeah that's yeah yeah <laughs> that's two full work days you're putting in right there buddy <laughs> so yeah um, it, it, it really is though my 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 wife has the patience of a saint. <laughs> well, hey, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to turn, tuning in for that for sure. Um, let's get into these running backs. What do you say? Absolutely, let's do it. Um, so we have not looked at each other's top ten. We thought that would be good uh, for this segment here. We're kind of doing it a little different. Usually, I would have Josh with me, my co-host, but it's just me and a guest. We want to have just let's see who our top ten is, and we'll start right at the top. I have Christian McCaffrey. I assume you do as well. Yeah, it's got to be Christian McCaffrey. It's just that's the obvious play here. <laughs> PPR scoring, of course, for the sake of this top 10. And I don't remember an obvious top one running back, consensus, you know, number one running back with such a drastic offseason change. He's going to have a completely different quarterback, but that's not scaring anyone. I mean, that just goes to show you the confidence that we have in Christian McCaffrey for PPR scoring. 
Yeah, I, I, I think on top of that, I, th- I think it's, I think it's also, it's, it's the quarterback that they're that they're transitioning to, and I think that Teddy Bridgewater provides more of a hope to a fantasy owners, to potential fantasy owners. That I mean, there could be dump off passes for days. I mean, no one's expecting a dynamic offense, you know, originating from Teddy Bridgewater's arms. So. I think a lot of expectations and a lot of the Panthers' success is going to go on Christian McCaffrey. So I think that's why it's so easy to just continue to roll with the hot hand. Yeah, what's nice about McCaffrey is even if there is regression in the passing game, um, 142 targets last season, if he goes down to, let's say, 120, he can still finish as a top running back. Um, 287 carries for almost 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns on the ground. So he is disproving all doubters that thought that he couldn't be, you know, a guy who can run it up the middle. Um, He's gotten his body in the perfect shape to be in, to be a workhorse running back. And that's what he is. He is the quintessential workhorse running back in the NFL right now. So it's really cool to see, you know, there was a lot of hope for McCaffrey coming in. He has exceeded expectations at this point. Um, Great asset in fantasy football. Uh, moving on to number two, I have Ezekiel Elliott. Where are you at at number two? Ah, number two, I'm going with with. By the way, I'll just say I, I I believe the two of them are pretty interchangeable. I'm going with Saquon Barkley here, uh, at number two. I like it. So, what was the reasoning for Saquon over Zeke? Honestly, again, it's it's very interchangeable. I just yep. think that Saquon last year. I mean, yes, he had the injury, but he was still a running back two or better uh, in nine out of his 13 games played. Yeah, obviously he missed the three, three games. And also on top of that, even when he came back, he never looked quite right. You know, right. It, 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 everybody was always expecting something else to kind of go wrong. I mean, he finished strong weeks 15 and 16 when you were in your playoffs. He, he was a top five running back both those weeks. So he helped, probably helped you out late. But yeah, to me, honestly, it's, it's an absolute coin flip. I think both running backs are going to be on – I mean, obviously Dallas is going to be on a terrific, uh, terrific offense for Dallas. But I think Daniel Jones is going to do a lot better than people think with the Giants. And I think that's going to also help out Saquon Barkley. I think one hand washes the other. So for now, I'm going with Barkley as my number two. Yeah, you're but, talking yeah, about – can't hate on Zeke. You're talking about not looking right. Um, you know, first of all, he – got injured in week three, so he never had a chance to get in rhythm into the season. Transition at quarterback, and then he's out until week seven. He never had more than four yards of carry in any given game until um, week 12. So, you know, he really, I mean, look, 13 carries for one yard against the Jets. Yeah, really. Come on. I mean, this is a generational back, and we can't forget that. Um, so I'm with you. These guys are interchangeable, especially these top four. You know, originally I actually had Saquon Barkley at my five. I mm. I moved him up. I was moving players around for this uh, for this segment here. Is but there a reason Se- why you had him at five initially? Initially, I it's really more because of Zeke and Dalvin Cook more than anything. I, I was really like high on Dalvin Cook when I put my initial top ten. So it wasn't more, it wasn't more like, okay, Saquon. The only thing with Saquon that I will say is that is Daniel Jones going to feed him like Eli Manning did? So that's the problem. And I don't know if it's going to be a problem, but you know, 121 targets in his rookie season for Saquon with Eli Manning, 
Uh, and then Daniel Jones really wasn't feeding him like we really wanted him to. Um, now, again, he was injured coming off the, uh, an ankle injury. He's rehabbing the whole entire offseason right now and is having even more time to heal. And that's right. one thing to take into consideration with a lot of these offseason injuries. They're having more time to heal on their own without having sure. to, to uh, report to OTAs, do anything like that. They are working with their trainers and they are rehabbing to get into the best shape they could be in. So, no, I, I think it was more about Dalvin Cook and Zeke. And I have Zeke at two. And I just love this Cowboys offense right now. I mean, it is so fantasy friendly. Um, out of nowhere, after, you know, a couple years of Dak Prescott, now this is one of the best fantasy football teams in the league. Yeah. Um, especially when you add C.D. Lamb. Um, and now Blake Jarwin, which is interesting, because I think that stretches the field even more, which is going to help Zeke out tremendously. Not that he needs it. Um, you know, he last season, uh, 300 carries, uh, over 1,300 yards. So, I mean, he's just such a workhorse. They're going to continue to feed him no matter what. I mean, they're still, they're, they might be able to pass. <laughs> this Cowboys offense might be able to pass 600 times and then run the ball 300 times and that's what they did last season so you know I, I really do uh think that I'm, I'm just kind of leaning on this offense a little bit with Zeke more than than the Giants um which yeah is and that's why it's hard to blame anybody for obviously putting Elliott over Barkley and then you know there's also he, he went down in receptions but still 54 receptions on top of getting 301 carries like you mentioned I mean right. Not bad. If 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 he can give you 350 touches a year, um, you know whether it be running or through the air, it's I mean it's it's gonna work out. You, you know we talked you talked about Barkley being an all world sort of athlete. I mean Zeke's right in that mold too. And you gotta love that 71 targets. Um, yeah. You know the the targets are consistent now because we were like okay in 2018 you're like all right are they gonna keep using them like this and 70 plus targets you gotta be happy with that for somebody like Zeke who's getting around 300 carries. Um, then do you have Zeke at three? I do have Zeke at three, yes. Okay. And, you know, I will say in Saquon's favor, this Giants offense is going to be pretty good. It is. It's going to be better than people think. Exactly. I mean, you look at the receiving core, Golden Tate, um, Darius Slayton, who's coming into his own, Sterling Shepard, um, and then Evan Ingram, if he can be healthy. Yeah, um, yeah. Big if. <laughs> yeah, I just, <laughs> I just did a piece on him for the Roto Underworld draft kit, and that was – difficult because everything you have to like kind of back up with okay but <laughs> um, but yeah no it's, yeah it's, it's uh, all but, one big disclaimer you know exactly i actually put the first word i put was asterisk in the in that <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um but yeah so i think we're on the same page here with zeke and saquon both generational talents both are going to get huge workloads uh and then with saquon you have if you're thinking like oh the giants offense not going to be that good i think daniel jones is going to be very good um and I think that him being able to run the ball as well just only helps Saquon. Yep, absolutely. Um, at number four, I have Dalvin Cook. So do I, yes. Um, and I think these are the top four. This is the first tier of running backs right here. So you're going to see uh, these guys in the top four. I almost had Alvin Kamara, but I really couldn't do it because you can't justify someone who has 250 carries um, in 14 games. So he did miss a couple games. Um, and then targeted 63 times. What do you like about Dalvin Cook, Michael? You know, while, while you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll get this at some point. While, you know, we talk about injuries, that's something that's concerning. Um, to me, it's just looking at what he did last year as he managed to be healthy 
ended up having what? He was a running back two or better in 13, I believe. Uh, let me see. 13 of 14 games. And those first five weeks, he was a top five running back um, in four out of five of those weeks. So strong out of the gate. I mean, um, by the way, my, my, my scoring here is based on half point PPR. Me and Anthony always argue half point or full point, but whatever. The point is, is what is what Cook was able to do, and we know that Zimmer wants to run the ball um, almost to a fault. You know, you remember, uh, you, you remember when Thielen and Diggs were voicing their displeasure after a couple of weeks, and then they started to throw the ball a little more. But even then, I mean, Cook was still a top running back. So, listen, if he could stay healthy, I don't think I don't think there's any reason to doubt Dalvin Cook. What's nice about Dalvin Cook, along with the other guys we just mentioned, is they are so next level, elite at the pass skill set. And right. that's what makes Dalvin Cook so, so uh, vital for, for fantasy. Um, so the workload you love, the touchdowns you love too. 13 rushing touchdowns last year. Um, anytime they got into the red zone, they were looking to pound it in. And what's great about Dalvin is he can run it in from the 10 yard line all by himself. Um, obviously, this is a run first team in Minnesota. Um, and then you lose Stefan Diggs, um, and now you have Justin Jefferson, who more of a slot guy um, yeah. with Adam Thielen maybe being a, a field stretcher. You know, um, it, it's going to be interesting. I think that you're going to see that they're still going to be this run first team, and Dalvin Cook's going to have all the opportunity in the world to potentially be the top running back in PPR. Yeah, 11, by the way, 11 of those 13 touchdowns all came in the red zone. You know, you, you, you were mentioning in the red zone. Um, Worked out well. Actually, I apologize. Twelve of those, wow. twelve of his rushing touchdowns. Right. So twelve yeah. of thirteen in the red zone. So yeah, very similar to uh, how the Packers use Aaron Jones. I mean, you know, once they're in the that ten, you know, ten and go, uh, it, it's 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 run into the end zone. Um, so yeah, you gotta love Dalvin Cook for that reason. I mean, you know, you look at somebody like Nick Chubb, for instance, right? And you know, the Browns trying so desperately to get Chubb into the end zone last year, they just couldn't do it. You know, you like teams that are efficient in that category. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> uh, at number five, I have Alvin Kamara, and I love Kamara. Uh, I wanted to put him a little bit higher, but I just couldn't justify it. Who do you have at five? I actually have Derrick Henry at five. I like it. Um, so, I will justify Kamara real quick. Um, yeah. 81 receptions, um, 97 targets in 14 games, um, only six touchdowns. Um, for the whole season, which was troubling. I don't think he scored a touchdown until like week seven or something crazy. Um, so, you know, if the, if the touchdowns just go up to about eight or nine um, and he plays a full 16, I think we can see Kamara jump into that top five. Um, and, you know, it, I'm not worried about Latavius Murray. I'm not worried about Ty Montgomery. I mean, this is Alvin Kamara's show. Um, and, you know, I think this could be Drew Brees' last season. This could be a hell of a season for the Saints. So I'm looking for that, and I'm looking for Kamara to have a good year. Yeah, I mean, listen, some people would have said that last year was a down year for, for, for Kamara. He had the injury, missed two weeks uh, before the bye. But, you know, again, this is half-point scoring, but you go back to 2017, he was a running back two or better on 81% of his games. The next year, 2018, 80%. And then last year, in a year that folks would consider a down year, 71.4% of the time, he was an RB2 or better. So, I mean, if that's his down year, <laughs> like it's okay right. to buy back into Alvin Kamara. And, yeah, I, you know, um, 
honestly, I want to put him a little bit higher. I'm just, I'm just, I've been a Derrick Henry supporter before it was cool to be a Derrick Henry supporter. <laughs> so. Hey man, you and me both, you know, it was interesting when, when Henry was, um, was running with uh, DeMarco Murray yeah. in Tennessee. I, I was a big DeMarco Murray fan and I, I just really, that was kind of putting a bias over me. Like, oh man, I really don't want Henry to take over. I want to see Murray continue to work. Um, but finally we saw the breakout from Derrick Henry. Um, he is such a downhill threat. Uh, such a monster at in the second half of games um, that you know defenses really just have to adjust and, and it's tough when they're tired and you have this huge monster running it down your throat play after play after play it was just you know just like yeah. we've seen with Marshawn Lynch in the past so you have him pretty high up I mean what he finished in PPR scoring last year he was the RB5 so yeah, I mean you're, yeah you're justified in this um, yeah so he repeats uh, another great season yeah I think so and you know you know a lot of people say oh well you know I, I think people it's important in fantasy I mean folks get too married to one particular idea or one particular way in which they bring up numbers and they see PPR and they see 18 receptions and they go oh well you know he can't do it but we right. just said finished fifth last year and this is a team that, I mean, more so than any of these – well, with the exception of Christian McCaffrey, all these other running backs we've talked about so far, they have other pieces on the team that if these players falter a little bit, the team overall can still perform and can still do well. If Derrick Henry goes down, Titans are in trouble. Because um, I like Ryan Tannehill at all, but Ryan Tannehill is only going to be as good as Derrick Henry is. Yep. So – you know, I, I they're gonna point being long, long story long, they're gonna continue <laughs> to rely on Derrick Henry. He's gonna get three hundred carries, um, and he's gonna score touchdowns. It's it's just like you said, they just beat teams down, you, especially down the stretch there. When you get into the playoffs, that, that that's it. So, to me, I'm I'm not ready to rank him in like a top three or anything like that. As 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 much as I like him, but even in PPR, yeah. Fifth is fine. So, and if it's half point, honestly, he's, he's, he's four for me. He's pushing the ceiling. Yeah, he had uh, 16 rushing touchdowns and actually two receiving touchdowns, even though he yeah. only had 18 receptions. So, 18 total touchdowns for D. Henry. Um, so, playing devil's advocate, I mean, if those touchdowns come down a little bit, then, yeah, he goes down a couple spots. Sure, um, sure. One stat for Derrick Henry of his 1,540 yards, 997 yards of those were in the second half of games. Yeah. That's 1,000 yep. rushing yards in the second half of games, guys. Um, so third quarter was his big quarter. And really, you know, you said Tannehill is only as good as Derrick Henry. We know that, right? We understand right. that the, the quarterback is tethered to the running back and Tannehill isn't the guy who's going to win games. But the reason why Derrick Henry was able to get 1,000 rushing yards in the second half of games is because they were winning. Yeah. Know, Tannehill was able to start off hot a lot of times in these games, especially these bombs to A.J. Brown. Um, you know, so I, I think that that was a big reason why Derrick Henry was able to succeed with leads going into the second half. Um, they aren't a team that's going to, you know, uh, be able to run the ball effectively 
or as effectively as last year if they are down in game. So it, it, game script is going to – not that they're not going to give the ball to Derrick Henry. Of course they will. But right. when they're – if they're down two touchdowns, it, it's going to be a little different. You know, that's, that's a different scenario for a running back like Derrick Henry who isn't used in the passing game. You know, there's one interesting thing about Derrick Henry, as good as he was, you know, from week nine to week 17, he only had two weeks in which he wasn't a top five running back. Wow. Um, but weeks 15 and week 16, which is when folks are in their playoffs, he wasn't even an RB2. <laughs> so wow. he kind of fell off when you needed him the most. But uh, that, that being said, you know, overall, he should still finish up there. Most definitely. Yeah, no, you're going to love uh, what you get in Derrick Henry. You're going to have to pay for him this year, for sure. Yep. So that's yep. something to consider. <laughs> um, going to number six, I have Joe Mixon. I'm bullish on Joe Mixon right now. Where are you uh, at, I, number six? I like it. Well, I, I, I had Kamara at six. So Okay. Um, and, and, and I've got Mixon at seven. So And I, I, I'll be honest, if this is a Joe Mixon fan club, then I'm happy to be here because I would love to move him up as well. Yeah, it's tough, man. You know, okay, so in the last eight games, so for the first eight games, I mean, come on, last season. Yeah, it was bad. Oh, just destroyed you. Anyone who's listening right now, you are feeling the pain because, I mean, what, 10 carries for two yards? Six carries for 10 yards? I mean, these are games that Joe Mixon had last year. Yep. You know, and – and then, of course, he had a bye in, uh, in week eight, I think it was. So, really, in the first half of the season, he just gave you nothing. I mean, nothing. And it was so hard to even try to play him. Um, think, you know, how can you even trust him? But if you hung on, he did pay off because he did. So, in the last eight games, actually, he would have paced out to be the overall RB6, where I have him right now. So if you would have just extrapolated his last eight games times two, you get the RB6. Um, He was able to put up 100 yards four of those eight games, um, and they finally, you know, were able to just give him the ball. That was the big difference, right? Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I think it was just a matter of Zach Taylor trying to get his footing in what was a very bad situation at first there in Cincinnati, Um, you know, transitioning to a new coach after a very long time with, with, with Marvin Lewis. Um, Yeah. You know, you mentioned the the bye week was actually week nine and it was funny because right after the bye week, week 10, he comes out, he has 30 carries for 114 yards. So folks who maybe traded off if even if they could have if they could have traded right. uh traded away Joe Mixon they were probably kicking themselves in week 10 when he got 30 carries but yeah you know we just the thing i like here is Joe Burrow coming in um and we so often look at rookie quarterbacks who enter you know like the number 1 overall pick they're usually entering bad offenses very bad situations right that's not the case for Joe Burrow. And I think that, you know, Joe Burrow is going to be able to lean on a guy like A.J. Green, for example. But Joe Mixon, and I mean, this might help Joe Mixon a little bit in the passing game. I think if you're talking about PPR, 
that's the one concern you can you can point at the slow start like we did. Yep. But yeah, thirty five receptions is going to need to come up because unlike Derrick Henry, who we just talked about, he's not going to get sixteen rushing touchdowns most likely. You know, we would imagine that he wouldn't. He only had five last year, so um, he's going to need the passing numbers. So you just have to hope that that comes through. But I'm a I'm a supporter either way. Well, what's nice about uh, Joe Burrow is that we know that he does pass to the running back. Uh, 55 right. receptions for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last season. Um, so he is at least used to running or throwing to his talented pass-catching running back, which Joe Mixon, you know, we're talking about this, that first tier. Joe Mixon's up in that first tier of talented pass-catchers. He's up there with Dalvin Cook as far as I'm concerned in, you know, terms of just being that skill set, right? Um, yeah. And you're right. You know, there was only one game last season where he had five targets. Or no, I'm sorry, there was two games. Two games where he had five targets. Um, 45 targets for the season, not going to get it done. The previous year, 55. You just would like to see that hit 60. I mean, that's the number for me, is if he gets 60 targets, yep. then, then he can be in that top five discussion. And I have him at number six. Um, this offense is going to be much improved. You got yeah. T. Higgins coming in. You got A.J. Green back. Um I just like what I'm seeing and I like what they're going to try to do. And you have Tyler Boyd who had coming off of a 90 reception season, probably going into the slot. I imagine T Higgins will be used on the outside. Um, once they go into their three receiver sets, once they develop Higgins, um, that's going to be their look is AJ green T Higgins and then Tyler Boyd in the slot. That's going to open up a lot for Joe Mixon. So I do think that this offense, kind of like the Giants, is being slept on. They can be yep. good for fantasy, especially since their defense is still trash. Yeah, well, you know, they, they <laughs> did try and make some improvements, so we'll see. They they spent a lot – I mean, Anthony always has the exact number because the Bengals are like his 1A. Um, but the Bengals did spend a lot of money in free agency, including what I was going to mention was the offensive line. And you also have uh, – Jonah Williams coming back, the first-round draft pick from last year, who missed the whole season with, I believe, a shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken. So he comes back. So offensive line is bolstered. So, I mean, again, I mentioned that the Titans will only go as far, or Ryan Tannehill will only go as far as, you know, Derrick Henry allows him to. Joe Mixon will go as far as he does with his receptions. If the receptions come in, just like you said, like 60 targets, um, yeah, then 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 we're in it to win it. Yeah, and you know, Mixon's eight touchdowns last year were inspiring. I mean, he didn't have a rushing touchdown until week ten, I believe. Yeah, and it was a while. It was a while. He had a, a, a reception touchdown here and there in the first uh half of the season. But I did like to see, especially they were down in games, they just kept running the ball to Joe Mixon. They were like, Okay, let, let's just give this guy the ball. I mean, we can't yep. We can't have a wasted season here for this talented guy. Going to be 24 years old, folks, so still a, a dynasty asset. I mean, you're not going to be able to get him lower than, let's say, after next season in dynasty, you're not going to get him at the value you're getting him right now No, as in terms of trades. Um, okay, so I had Mixon at six, um, and then we're going to – I have Derek Henry at seven, and your okay. seven is Joe Mixon, correct? Correct, yeah. All right, so we're just right – on the same page pretty much there and then my number eight i think this is where it's going to get different these last three here my number eight is nick chubb oh okay that is not my number eight, <laughs> my, my number eight is josh jacobs 
I like it. I like it. Yeah, Josh Jacobs did not make my top 10. Uh, he most likely would be in my top 13-ish. Um, so talk to me about Josh Jacobs right now. Josh Jacobs, you know, listen, he dealt with injuries, obviously, that ended up cutting a season short. But, you know, we talk about how long it took for Zach Taylor and the Bengals to give Joe Mixon uh, a, a, a legitimate workload for fantasy football purposes right out of the gates in week one. I mean, Josh Jacobs has 23 carries, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Right. Um, so right away, right out of the gate, they gave him touches. I mean, sure. I went down 12, 10, 17, but then the two weeks after that, 26, 21. So this is a team that had no problems giving Josh Jacobs work early on. Um, and I think that they'll continue to do so. And the thing that I like a lot is there has been talk this offseason that they would like to get Josh Jacobs involved more in the passing game. Last year, he only had 27 targets. He caught 20 of them, 20 of 27. So that turns out to a catch rate if you're doing the math, which I'm not because I'm looking at a screen, 74.1. <laughs> but um, if they're going to add to his targets, you know, like we talked about Joe Mixon, if he can get 60 targets. If, if you're giving him more targets and if you're giving him the ball running, I mean, Josh Jacobs is going to have a great year, and he's a, he's a pretty good value as well. It seems like they can only go up in terms of the targets. 27 targets for Josh right. Jacobs is just yeah. crime because, I mean, what? He was, what, one of the best pass catchers coming out of that uh, draft class in 2019? Yeah. I mean, it was just all year I'm looking at this. I'm like, why? Why won't yep. they just pass him the ball? They got Jalen Richard doing that, and they still have Jalen Richard on this team. And then they draft Lynn Bowden Jr., who he is a running back slash slot wide receiver. Yep. Um, and then they bring in uh, Devontae Booker. So those moves, I mean, you can look at both ways. You can say, well, you know what? What, you bring in a gadget rook, uh, play rookie. You bring in a Devontae Booker, who's just another body not worried about it. And I understand that. And I believe that is true, but you can look at it on the other side. It's like, why are they bringing in a, another guy who can pass, catch the ball out of the backfield if they want to give Josh Jacobs more targets? I agree with you though. It, it can't go down from 27 targets. It can only right. go up. Right. <laughs> so even if he gets the 40, 45 targets, at least we're improving and we're still getting the 240 carries with 1100 yards, seven touchdowns uh, from Josh Jacobs. Great rookie season. Finished as the RB21 in PPR. Um, I don't have the standard in front of me. I'm sure it was higher. Uh, really good rookie season. And, yeah, I love him being in the top 10 because that is like putting your flag down, like saying, okay, the, you know, this is an outcome for Josh Jacobs. So I love Josh Jacobs there. I have Nick Chubb. I'm still a Nick Chubb believer. People are kind of getting off of this bandwagon, at least for this year. And the big reason is Kareem Hunt. And I get yep. it because I'm a huge Kareem Hunt truther. You're getting him at a great value. He's going off the board at, I believe, RB30 around there. So Kareem Hunt in, him, in himself has great standalone value. But they're still going to pound the rock with Nick Chubb. Um, I think that, you know, even with Kareem Hunt on the field, once they got into the red zone, which they actually did quite a bit, they were trying to feed Nick Chubb, even getting into the fourth down a lot of times yeah. and they just weren't converting these touchdowns. I mean, they were giving him the ball first, second, third and fourth down sometimes and not able to put it into the end zone. So I just remember that being a huge issue as I had a lot of Nick Chubb shares last season, uh, almost 300 carries, 
um, would have led the AFC in rushing if not for Derrick Henry. Um, So he was second in that category in the NFL, actually, not just the AFC. And the eight rushing touchdowns. Um, Of course, the target share did come down when Kareem Hunt got there. So he is capped in that category right now. So the argument for Nick Chubb not being in this top 10 is just that, is that he's not going to get the receptions. And then the carries are going to go down too, from maybe 298 to let's say 260, maybe 270. Yeah. Um, So that's definitely a concern and I'm with you on that. But I do think that the efficiency in the offense as a whole is going to improve, which is going to kind of cancel that out. Nick Chubb's still going to be a great uh, fantasy running back. Yeah, I I feel like Nick Chubb is going to be a guy who's going to raise eyebrows in rankings no matter where you have him because I think, you know, someone like you has him a little higher than me, so I raise my eyebrows. And I'll tell you that I have him right now at 11. Um, So then I feel like some folks go, oh, wow, you know, I've got him higher, you know. So And and I think that that's the thing is you're either willing to – you either think that Chubb can endure that uh, that being Kareem Hunt and still be okay, or you think Hunt will really hurt his value? So I think it hurts his value. Um, I can't argue with anybody who wants to support Chubb. Obviously, listen, Chubb's a beast. He almost had 1,500 yards last year. So um, I just look at you know you talked about the target share going down. I mean, Chubb had 49 targets in 16 games. Kareem Hunt had 44 and eight. <laughs> so you know I you know but right. we'll see. They're gonna. Have, you know, Kevin Stefanski's in town now. I know yes. he likes to use two running backs, though, so that works out fine. But so, but we'll, we'll see how that target share goes. But for now, I'm probably not going to draft Chubb um, just because at his price, I'm probably going to rather grab somebody else. They bring in Austin Hooper, so they're going to go 12 personnel a yeah. lot of time, you have to imagine, um, with the two tight ends. And then they made improvements on the offensive line. So that – being considered and you're talking about them using two running backs and making this more Baker friendly. I think that's all good signs for Nick Chubb. I mean, I can see how that could be a negative because we know that Kareem Hunt is there, but I would be surprised if we, you know, eight games, 44 targets for Hunt. I'd be surprised if we get to 88 targets anywhere around that. I think he's going to be more around 70, 75, which huge value for PPR. Yeah, it's fair. Um, so I don't think – and I don't think he's going to get more than 120, 140 carries, um, which is still going to eat into Nick Chubb's workload. So like I said, expect right. more like 260, 275 carries for Nick Chubb. Um, but I still think with that production, he can be a top 10 back. Um, he, he's just such a talent, just such a talent. And I believe that this offense makes strides in the right direction. Yeah. Um, number nine, I have Kenyon Drake. Ah, okay. He's a I little have- bit – a little bit lower for me, but I had to fit Kenyon Drake in here. And I think mm-hmm. kind of like your Josh Jacobs, like this is just, I really want the listeners to understand, like make your own rankings because yep. I view Kenyon Drake as a top 10 back. You're going to consider that in your draft. If he's a value count, how many running backs have gone F- figure out where you have him? Because if he's a value, take him. If you feel like it's a reach, then maybe you should look elsewhere. But Kenyon Drake in this offense with the Arizona Cardinals, I think it's a smash. Um, I love that he's going to be used in the passing game. That's what this offense wants to do. I mean, you look at um, David Johnson at the beginning of last year. They were giving him the ball a tremendous amount. Um, and then when Kenyon Drake got there, he exploded. So he is the clear 
RB1 on this team, and I think that he could be a top 10 guy in PPR. Yeah, in, in, in PPR, absolutely. And, I mean, yeah, you know, the moment he came in to the Cardinals, I mean, you, you, you mentioned it, he took off. And, by the way, that was on a short week because they were playing on Thursday night against my 49ers. And at that time, the Niners were absolutely shutting down running backs. Um, you know, uh, they were on a historic pace. Kenyon Drake comes in. Guess what? Number two running back on the week in half-point format. So, gee, talk about an opening statement. Um, there it was. So, yeah, I, I love Kenyon Drake. Um, I've got him a little bit lower in my rankings. But, again, that that's more competition at the position um, yeah. as to where I have him ranked. But, yeah, I mean, you said all the right things about Drake. But, for me, number nine is going to be Aaron Jones. I like him. Um, I, you know, I, I, I feel like some folks are kind of forgetting about Aaron Jones a little bit. And, listen, I've – I've got him going down because, listen, he finished, you know, PPR. He finished as a number two running back last year. I've got him going down to nine. So only because I, I don't know if, if the rushing touchdowns are going to be there again. I mean, 16 rushing touchdowns. Can we count on 16 rushing touchdowns again? Right. And, you know, among those top running backs, you know, he doesn't have a ton of yards either. He had 1,084 rushing yards. Right. So those touchdowns go down. And if the yards kind of stay the same, you're looking at a drop. And I think that that's kind of what we're going to see here with Aaron Jones. I mean, let's not forget the Packers. I know everybody wants to talk about how they drafted. They drafted with the intent that they're going to run the ball. Right. Um, which is a good sign. To, yeah, which is a good sign for Aaron Jones. Not a good sign for Aaron Rodgers, but a good sign for Aaron Jones. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've got him at nine for now. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he was the number two, and I'm on fftoday.com. Uh, he was number two running back in PPR uh, yeah. a lot because of those 16 touchdowns, but he did have 68 targets. I mean, this was what we wanted to see uh, with Aaron Jones. And even so, it's so funny, even in the fantasy, you know, in, the, in terms of, you know, the fantasy community, their own fantasy of what they wanted to see in Aaron mm-hmm. Jones, Jamal Williams still had like 120 carries. He still yep. was targeted like 40 sometimes. I mean, they still want to use multiple backs, which is why I don't have Aaron Jones in my top 10. I, I do like A.J. Dillon. I do believe they drafted him for a reason. And I think that reason is short yard situations on third down because uh, the Packers were completed something like 37% of their third down conversions. They were like 20th in the league. Yeah. Um, now, when they were in the, in the red zone, they were efficient. They were second in the league uh, converting touchdowns on, I think it was 60, over 60% of their touchdowns. They were second in the league. But the problem was they didn't get into the red zone often enough. They were 20th in the league with 3.1 red zone attempts per game. Big part of that was their, their uh, work on third down. They just weren't able to convert. That's a big part of putting it too much on Aaron Rodgers. The receivers just not being able to make the plays. You only have Devontae Adams who can be that reliable outlet. And what are they going to do? They're going to lock him up on third downs anytime you're going to try to pass the ball. So I think they want to lean a little bit on that running game, kind of like you're talking about. And I think A.J. Dillon is going to be a factor. Yeah, he could definitely be a factor as well. And, yeah, and, and again, I mean, it's, it's, it's these sorts of reasons that I have him dropping down to nine. Now, sure. that, that depends on how you want to view it. You know, like it's like you said, you've got him, you've got him even further down in yours. So, um, you know, it's really, it's really just judging the, the, the level of impact, really, uh, with Aaron Jones. But, you know, 
he he can't go up. I'll put it to you that way. He's going to go down. That's that's a good call right there, and I think that's important to note. Uh, I think this is the first one that I know we're going to disagree with. So I'll let you lead off. Who is your who is your tenth running back? My number ten is actually Austin Eckler. I like it. And Austin Eckler did not make my top 10. I know that he's on a lot of people's top 10. Um, talk to me about Eckler. You know, Eckler, and by the way, again, much like Aaron Jones, while it might sound good to have him in my top 10, well, no, because I've got him dropping from what he did last year. I mean, PPR, this is another guy, finished as the fourth best running back in Y, had 108 targets and 92 receptions. Right. And, you know, he only had 132 carries. Now, listen, remember when we all said that Christian McCaffrey couldn't handle a big workload back when he was a rookie? And I remember, you know, I remember those days. And, I mean, like, here we are now. So, But I'm going to jump back into that well, and I'm going to say I don't think Austin Eckler can handle a full workload with that amount of receptions. Um, you know, so I don't think we see him get much higher than 132 carries. And I'm anticipating targets go down, I think. Think, I, I think the defense is going to be better, um, so I don't think the Chargers are going to be playing from behind as much. Right. Uh, and also, I'm worried about the quarterback play. You know, Phillip Rivers knew the Chargers like the back of his hand. He could probably have done that blindfolded. Um, I think a couple games he did. He probably did, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean uh, judging by the interceptions, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, Eckler kind of talked about it too, how comfortable he was playing with Phillip Rivers because – much like any other veteran quarterback, he, he knew where everyone was supposed to be and, you know, everything moved efficiently that way. So, but I expect some numbers to go down for Eckler target wise. And I think it's going to hurt him because running the ball, you're going to need receptions when you're only getting 557 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. So, so is it realistic though, that his carries can go up since obviously Melvin Gordon's gone and he looks to be the lead dog. It could go up, but I mean, how? But that goes into my other point: was how how much do we think Austin Eckler can take on? Right. You know, I, you know, and 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 again, I know we're all still picking shrapnel out of our rear ends about Christian McCaffrey all those years ago. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I I don't see him being able to take on 108 targets, and you know, say what. 170 attempts close to, you know, 200. I mean, I mean, like, do you, I mean, you don't see that because you don't have him in your top 10, you know? Right. Yeah. What, the, what makes sense to me with Eckler is that his carries go up, but his targets go down. Right. Um, and so 108 targets. I mean, that's a huge output. I'm just looking at running backs last year. Leonard Fournette had a hundred targets. It's insane. I know. <laughs> so out of nowhere. Absolutely yeah. out of nowhere. Another guy that just didn't make both of our top tens, I think yeah. for similar reasons, uh, just because that workload in itself has to go down. But the 108 targets for Eckler, yeah, I do see that going down. We got Tyrod Taylor going to start the year. I have to believe that Justin Herbert's going to be on the field at some point. So even if those targets go down to something like 80, I mean – that can you can work with that. He can still be a top ten guy with that. Yeah. Um, but you're gonna have to pay for Austin Eckler this year. I mean, if you want mm -hmm. him on your team, he's gonna be like a third round pick um, in redraft, especially in PPR. I I think they brought in Joshua Kelly again, like just like the Packers did. You know, it was a late second round pick for the Packers and then a fourth round pick for the Chargers. So it's not like they've invested anything. But rookie running backs coming in, you have to really look at, especially when they got drafted fourth round. 
I think that the Chargers are going to use Joshua Kelly, and the build that he is is he's a guy who can carry the ball twelve to fifteen times easily. That's he, right. he's already that kind of guy. Um, so I think that's going to happen. You're going to see games where Josh Kelly gets thirteen carries and Austin Eckler gets eleven. Um, I, I do believe that he kind of comes into that Melvin Gordon role, just like very light version of that. So that's why Austin Eckler doesn't top my get into my top ten. I'm just I have a lot of concerns for the offense this year for the Chargers. I get it. I get it. It's it's definitely fair. Um, yeah, and Austin Eckler, you know, I love the talent. I love the the work ethic. And in Dynasty, I mean, you know, look, he's, what, 23, 24 years old. So he's he's a great get in Dynasty. Um, and I do think that that role, that pass-catching role, isn't going away anytime soon for him. He's a guy year in, year out, who's going to be able to get you at least 80 targets. Um, so a great asset for PPR. Um, but number 10, I actually have Le'Veon Bell. Uh, and I, feel, Ooh, I, right. I know I, I felt weird and gross saying it, but uh, <laughs> I have Le'Veon Bell um, coming off of, let's see here, 3.2 yards per attempt. Um, not very inspiring. Three rushing touchdowns in year one with the Jets. So 245 carries. Um, you have to like the targets, 78 targets, 66 receptions, 461 yards. So you still like the workload that you're getting. Um, I do think that that stays the same, but the efficiency improves. I love what the Jets did in the draft, actually. Mm-hmm. can't believe I'm saying that either. But yeah, right. you know, pick 11 comes around, and we think they're going to get Henry Ruggs or C.D. Lamb. No, they get Makai Becton, who's one of the best offensive left, left tackles in the league. So you're going to – and if you watch the highlights on this guy, this dude mauls over people whenever that run goes to the left. Makai Becton runs over people. So you have one of the best backs in the league at following his blocks and being patient to a fault, especially last year. Sure. Because a lot of times Le'Veon Bell, Bell was getting that ball and that the defense was already back there. <laughs> you know, I mean, he yeah. was in a bad position, but, you know, good on him. He just kept getting that rock and getting destroyed at the one-yard line, you know. I think we see a lot less of that. Um, they bring in Denzel Mims. They bring in Brashard Perryman. They want to go vertical. They want to extend the field a little bit. They still have Jamison Crowder. The offense isn't that great from, you know, the playmakers around them. So I do still think that Le'Veon Bell gets a huge workload. In PPR, if we see those touchdowns come up, the efficiency come up, I think you're going to look at somebody who can finish in that top 10, top 12 range. Yeah, you know, I – this is my thing with Lev. I, I love Lev Bell. I do. But I don't love that he's in an Adam Gase offense. I, you know, you know, listen, you could give you can give Gase a pat on the back for what he did from an NFL perspective, you know, being without, you know, CJ Mosley for, you know, pretty much the whole year. Um, you know, the whole mono thing, you know, smooching around with Sam Donald <laughs> and still able to put together a pretty good season. But for fantasy football purposes, I feel like Adam Gase is where running backs go to die. That's yep. that's just it. And I you know, and that's that's the problem. And listen, people can scoff if they want, but they brought in Frank Gore. And Frank Gore is still able to carry the ball. Frank Gore actually wanted to follow Adam Gase to the Jets last year, but it didn't work out. So he ends up with Buffalo. Right. He's he's gonna get work in his offense. Not not a ton, no. It's not gonna be an even 50-50 split, but it's going to be enough to hamper Le'Veon Bell's style. I mean, 
So basically, Le'Veon Bell, to me, is going to have to do a lot with not a ton. I mean, 245 right. carries, I mean, uh, right? Yeah, 245 carries yep. last year. You know, 2017, the year prior to him, you know, going around on jet skis for a whole season, 321 rush attempts. The year prior, 261. Mm-hmm. Then he only played in six games, but 113. So, I mean, this is a guy who's used to having more than 245 carries. I just – I can't see him getting more than that. Um, I just – yeah, I, I, I hate that he plays for Adam Gase. That's it. I, I feel like yeah. – I feel like once they signed Frank Gore, Le'Veon Bell was basically looking in the mirror and he was seeing Kenyon Drake from what was that, uh, 2018? Right. You know, I, yeah. you know that's, that's what worries me about a Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, no, he's definitely put in a stranglehold uh, with Adam Gase. There's no question about it. Um, I just, I do like the workload. I think the volume you have to look at and say, okay, with the volume, can he be efficient with it? Can, can right. that happen? If there is a possibility of him getting to above four yards a clip and potentially getting a few more touchdowns, well, then he does go from RB16, in my opinion, to closer to that top 10. And, you know, there's lots of guys that, you know, we haven't mentioned, like Miles Sanders, Chris Carson. I mean, um, just a lot of good running backs and some of these rookies, too, that have potential, like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or maybe yeah. even Jonathan Taylor, um, that could touch this top 10. But I think that where you're going to get Le'Veon Bell at the fourth, fifth round, um, it, it's just a huge value. So I think that's more of the point I'm trying to make because – it's crazy that we're getting Le'Veon Bell now in the fourth round um, if, yeah. in redraft leagues. I, I just strange think strange world, strange world. I just think that's a real good value. So I think that's more of the point I'm trying to make is that he can finish with that volume in the top ten. It, it can happen. Um, but again, there's a lot of talent at this running back position, and he, he has the Adam Gase monster right over his shoulder. So it's going to be yeah. he has a lot of obstacles to face get there he does but 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 when you propose that from from a value standpoint you are correct i mean i mean fantasy football calculator right now he's got they have him going as the 11th pick in the third round but whatever he's on the threshold of of the fourth round just like you mentioned um still good value man so yeah i hear you for sure man michael hoff of uh ff face off and gridiron experts man thank you for coming on to the show uh please tell everyone what work you have coming out for them uh you guys working on anything for Gridiron Experts as far as a draft kit is concerned? Uh, as of right now, no. I mean, all of all of our work right now is geared towards that potathon, um, trying to make that as look as fresh and as presentable as the charity deserves. So that's really where all my work is going right now. I just finished. Uh, I actually helped uh, Phil Caldwell um, write a consistency guide, which he is now selling on Amazon. So if you go to the consistency collection uh, that is being sold there on Amazon, it's being sold soft cover and eBooks. So you can do that. But yeah, for now, my attention is focused on guest spot here and there and prepping for that mental health potathon. But anything else you want to see me do, follow me on Twitter at the FF realist. Fantastic. And you can find that mental health potathon on Periscope and YouTube. That'll be June 11th at se- starting at 7 a.m. July 11th. Yes. July 11th. Sorry about that. July 11th. That's Thanks. right. That's right. Don't, don't, don't show up on June 11th. You won't be there. <laughs> or do it. You know, get prepared or, that day. <laughs> yeah, sure. Fine. Screw it. Show up. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for coming on to the podcast.